You're listening to the Food Freedom Podcast, hosted by me, Dylan Murphy, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Food Freedom Podcast explores the topics of intuitive eating, mindset, and body respect to help you create a lifestyle of lasting food freedom. We believe it's possible to feel confident in your food choices and connected to your body. And here on the Food Freedom Podcast, we will show you how. I'm the owner of Free Method Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice empowering women to break up with diet culture by teaching them how to trust, respect, and feel safe in their bodies. We welcome all foods over here from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. This episode of Food Freedom Podcast is sponsored by our Free Method Recipe Book. It's time that you have a way to create flavor-packed meals that you enjoy that also align with your goal of food freedom. This recipe book is designed to support your intuitive eating journey so you can gain confidence in the kitchen. Complete with recipes that emphasize gentle nutrition, you'll find delicious and simple recipes that allow you to win back your time. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash recipe book to get yours today. Welcome back to another episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Today, I am joined by one of my colleagues in Nashville, but also one of my dear friends in Nashville, Laura Demean. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dylan. Yes. Um, I would love if you took a minute just to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, um, your practice here in Nashville, anything else you'd like our listeners to know. Yes. Awesome. Once again, I'm so glad to be here. And um, yeah, this is such an honor. I own Anchored Counseling Company, and we primarily treat eating disorders um, really of any kind. And so that can, you know, vary from binge eating disorder to OSFED to anorexia nervosa, ARFID, all of it. Um, and then any co-occurring concerns. So anxiety, depression, PTSD, bipolar, personality disorders. Um, and so I would say, you know, about the majority of our clients that reach out to us for care, do you have some form of eating disorder or disordered eating or, um, maybe a history of an eating disorder and they want a therapist that's informed um, around diet culture and all things body image and just all that good stuff. So mm-hmm. and a little bit about me, I'm married to my my sweet husband, Sean, yeah. and he, I joke with clients and, and my colleagues as well, that he's like the janitor and CFO and CEO <laughs> of the company, <laughs> which is really great. So he has like three official but unofficial roles. He's not on the yet. Yes. Um, so really thankful for him, you know, just because he's, he provides so much emotional support to me, um, mm-hmm. as the leader of Anchored. And then I'm a huge, um, animal lover. So my little, I have a cavalier and his name's Louie and he's just the, the love of my life. And then uh, I love riding horses as well. Um, and then I've actually in the past few years become a, a plant lady. So that's, yes. that's been a fun like hobby and you know, Sean, Sean always teases me. He's like, I don't know if we have room for another plant in this house, but yes. sure enough, I do find, I do find this yes. for it. Yes. <laughs> JB does the same thing. He's like, our house feels like a jungle now. Like, yes. that's the point. Yeah. We need more. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the um, but yeah, I love, I love the work I get to do, um, with clients and, and love mm. helping people 
fully recover from their eating disorders and just watching their growth and their insight and um, healing take place is such is so rewarding for me. Um, mm-hmm. And also love, you know, we've got a really great team at Anchored. And so love just chatting yeah. the hallway with, with different therapists that are there any day. And so yeah, that's mm-hmm. a little bit about me. Thanks for asking, Bill. Yeah, I love that. I love too that you talked about like helping clients fully recover because I, I feel like I hear a lot of times with clients, especially when they're like newer, like just starting to work with us, kind of having hesitation around like, is recovery actually possible? Like, do people sure. actually recover from eating disorders? And sure, it's like hard work and can take many, many years for some people, but you know, it's absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. I said that. Yeah, I am transparent. Um, just in terms of my story, I had a I had a eating disorder in high school and in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up a missionary kid, and then when we came back, um, back to the states, I developed a pretty bad eating disorder. And you know, mm-hmm. I got treatment um, a while back in Nashville, and my life was forever changed. And so, mm-hmm. um, I know that you know, I'm different and, and each person is unique and each eating disorder is unique, but yeah, I, I love sending that message of full recovery because I do think it's possible. Um, yeah. And, and the, the gift of that, that I was given, and I know I put in work, but the gift that I was given by my treatment team, I will always mm-hmm. be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, this is, you know, one of my ways of giving back and um, yeah, helping people like see that light at the end of the tunnel and that hope mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which can be so reassuring for people because, yes. you know, the day in and day out of recovery is really hard work, but when they can see like, okay, it's very, very possible to recover from eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just like us as clinicians holding that hope for clients, I think it's just so sacred and so sweet mm-hmm. um, for the clients that we do work with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I told you this before we hit record, but I would love to kind of spend some time talking about the holidays and navigating just food and diet culture and family dynamics during the holidays. And, you know, it's funny cause we're recording this in August and I'm like, okay, let's think about as if we're in, it's November and it's cold and Thanksgiving is approaching, but soon enough it'll be here. Yes. Um, well, Hey, yeah. I'm all for it. Like I started decorating yes. Christmas and like early November yes. last year. So yes. I can sit in the holiday and like brain space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Any time of the year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cause I know, I mean, and I, I know you know this too, the holidays can be such a hard time for the population that we work with, people with eating disorders, disordered eating, you know, even depending on family dynamics and trauma. And there's just a lot that can come up around the holidays. Um, so I guess even first from you, I would love to hear kind of maybe what you've seen in your work or just in your experience, like what specifically can make the holidays so hard for like the type of people that we work with? Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's a really great question. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just the prevalence of diet culture and diet culture, you know, is not exclusive to just the holiday season, but for some reason, you know, from November all the way up until the new year, I feel like diet culture is just a little louder. And so it's loud, you know, it's loud all the time, but then that volume like ramps up over the holidays. And so I mean, that is just really tough. You know, you've got Aunt Susie who's talking about mm-hmm. 
you know, just her, her food rules and for someone in recovery and really anyone who doesn't have an eating disorder as well, but we're, we're trying to send the message of food peace and, and, you know, the fact that food doesn't have moral value. And so all of these, one of the things that makes, you know, the holidays so hard is that all of these things that our clients are learning in treatment diet culture is in direct opposition to, right? So they're hearing mm-hmm. one thing from their therapist and dietitian and, you know, medical doctor. And then when they go home or, you know, are with family members who are entrenched in diet culture, oftentimes the opposite is being said. And so reconciling yeah. that in our minds as humans is just a really tough concept. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that can also kind of like piggybacking on that that can also make the holidays hard is a sense of aloneness in that. Mm. Um, so a lot of people that have an eating disorder come from a family, and not always, you know, but, but a lot of times there are family members that either have some other form of disordered eating or talk really negatively or really hatefully about their bodies. And so, mm-hmm. you know, again, when, when you're going back into that environment and everything that you're learning in recovery, <laughs> is in opposition to that, that, that does create a sense of aloneness. Um, and that's, I mean, that's hard because the holidays, you know, in my opinion are are supposed to be a time or supposed to in quotation marks, right? Like supposed to be a time where we feel connected to our loved ones. Um, Mm -hmm. oftentimes for people in recovery, you know, that can just be a hard, hard, hard place Mm -hmm. to be. So that alone, I think is just huge. And that's what I hear a lot of clients around that time of year. Mm. That's such a good point because I mean, especially if they're in a family that's so entrenched in diet culture and they're the only one that's actively trying to walk away from it, doing all the hard work to heal their own relationship with food that can feel so isolating of like, no one gets it. And, and I know, I mean, I've seen with a lot of my clients, like, you know, they may even try and have conversations with their mom or their aunt Susie or whoever it may be to try and explain a little bit more of like, here's, you know, why diets don't work or here's intuitive, like whatever it may be. And it's like, it all falls on deaf ears, which then I'm sure adds to that, like isolation or that like fear of like, okay, my family just doesn't understand me. Like this doesn't feel safe. And, you know, to add to that, Dylan, like we as humans, as a therapist, and even like as a human being, as Laura, Mm -hmm. like I know that I want to belong. I want to belong with my husband. I want to belong in my work environment. I want to belong, you know, in my church. And and so that, that feeling of belongingness is like a, a really, really important need. And so mm. I think that's in juxtaposition to diet culture for someone in recovery, yeah. right? Mm. And so just that, that oh, man, like, where is my identity now? Like, yeah. do I belong in, in this family anymore? And, and that can just be so mm. tough. And to speak yeah. to shared as well falling on deaf ears I do I do agree with that in the sense that most people who maybe have disordered eating or are in diet culture there is a lack of receptivity to a different Mm -hmm. sort of opinion and so some you know I've worked with families that are like yes tell me all the things to do I want to know everything I want to I want to change how I talk Mm -hmm. about food and how I talk about my body and that's one camp and then there's another camp where it's like, no, I'm not willing to change. Or like, you know, yes. why, why does the way I talk about food impact my daughter or my loved one? And, and so just explaining that can, can feel really tiring, I think, for some for people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you, I would love to hear this. Like, how do you typically 
if you're talking with clients or, you know, whether they're clients or just friends, whoever it may be, and kind of of how to have those conversations with family or friends or people who are, you know, so entrenched in diet culture, how do you like help people prepare for those conversations? And even because I'm thinking like, basically, how do you help them prepare of like, okay, you, everything you're saying is likely a hundred percent valid, but the people that you're telling it to probably aren't going to hear it as that. They may argue back. They may say certain things. Like, how do you feel like you help support your clients in those situations? Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that I'm working on with my clients is having conversations ahead of time. So I do think that that, you know, is one way to start to establish boundaries, um, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with loved ones. So, you know, maybe calling a mom or a sister or whoever the maybe person is in diet culture and Mm -hmm. expressing the need ahead of time. And, And I think that can really like give that person time to sit with it versus them being bombarded at the dinner table. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with, you know, a boundary being set at the dinner table, but mm-hmm. setting boundaries ahead of time, I think is a key. So like, you know, if Thanksgiving's on a Thursday, maybe calling a week ahead of time and just asking for what you need. Um, mm-hmm. and then that gives that person time to sit with that information and, and to sit with that request. Um, mm-hmm. the offer method is a great acronym that I use for, with clients and even in my own yeah. life as far as setting a boundary, but it stands for observations, feelings, needs, and requests. So, mm-hmm. and I will go through that with clients and, and kind of talk to them about, you know, how to, how to healthfully set that boundary because sometimes we're under boundary and sometimes we're over boundary. And so what I mean by mm-hmm. that is sometimes we need more boundaries and then the yeah. over boundary, sometimes we can become a little rigid and almost, um, spiteful in the way that we set boundaries. And so mm-hmm. we really want to try to get to that, like, you know, middle ground. And I think the offer mm-hmm. method, so making an observation, stating the feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and the need and the specific request. So mm-hmm. we can kind of run through an example. I don't know if that would yeah, be. Yeah. I would, I was about to ask that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So let's take aunt Susie today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she, she maybe makes a, a comment around diet culture, like, you know, I just shouldn't have had that like second cookie. Okay. Right. So, you know, you and I both know that's, that's, you know, not a helpful comment for someone in recovery and eating disorder. So if I'm acting as the person in recovery, so, you know, what the observation piece of that would be, Hey, Aunt Susie, I noticed that, you know, you said, Hey, I shouldn't have that second cookie that actually, you know, makes me feel ashamed. Um, mm. and you know what I need to feel comfortable with my food choices and safe with my food choices. And so I'm going to request that, you know, you don't, mm. you don't, um, talk about the number of cookies that you're eating. And again, that, yeah. that's really big, but that's kind of how that would, would play out. And then at that point, Nancy mm. would be like, Oh my gosh, I totally understand. I'm so sorry. I will respect that boundary. Or mm. Aunt Susie may give give me pushback and say like, Oh, yeah. I'm dumb may mock my boundary, but it doesn't mean that we don't have that conversation. So yes. that's, mm. that's something just to think about is, you know, not everybody is going to respect or validate or understand our boundaries. And it doesn't mean that mm-hmm. we don't have them. Yes. So, mm. That's just- so good. And I can see that being so empowering for clients too, if it helps to kind of give them like 
a step-by-step, like, here's how I can set a boundary. Here's how I can vocalize like my feelings. And I love what you said too, because I think that's one of the hardest parts with boundaries is like, you can set that boundary. You can like voice your concern, but then unfortunately we can't control how other people respond. So aunt Susie may be like, well, I don't see the problem or like, why are you just talking to myself? Like, yeah. But I think still it's like, you've set that boundary and then maybe, you know, a future step is like, okay, maybe I don't need to sit next to aunt Susie at the dinner table because I don't want to overhear these comments she's making, or I'm not going to invite aunt Susie over to have dinner at my house because she's going to make these comments. Like you may take the boundary like further if it's not being upheld. Sure. Yeah. And I love just a good acronym, you know, in therapy because I think in moments like that, you know, especially if we're in eating disorder recovery, we can kind of tend to have what we call a freeze response. So just having something in our back pocket that we can really pull out and like go through that is a healthy form of communication can be empowering for clients. Hmm. That's so good. What would be, because I think that's one like amazing tip that people can take into the holidays of like using that acronym voicing their feelings, setting boundaries, what would be some other like helpful tips that, um, our listeners could kind of tuck away in their back pocket as they go into the holiday season, navigating, you know, food comments, diet talk, family, all that. So I'm all about consistency with treatment appointments. So yes. I, I think it can be tempting. I love that you said that. <laughs> yeah. I think it can be tempting to be like, Oh, I'm going to take two or three weeks off from treatment. And I, I don't ever recommend that. So if you can yeah. financially and even like time-wise, if you can make, you know, an appointment work with your therapist, with your dietitian week of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or Christmas, I just think that is so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think identifying safe people ahead of time. So even mm-hmm. if, mom's not safe. Maybe your sister is safe or maybe your aunt is safe and maybe they don't understand, you know, all of the ins and outs of recovery, but they're open to learning. They want to support you in any way they can. And so, you know, having a safe person can just be a game changer in environments where like diet culture comments or comments around the number of cookies Mm -hmm. we're eating are made. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else I think Um, yeah, just having that safe person, you know, maybe having a game plan as far as a support group or some kind of like check-in throughout the the week, um, Mm -hmm. I think could be a a great idea too. Yeah. Um, I love all that. Yeah. And then, you know, just, I love a good mantra. So having mantras around body image, around what you know to be true from your, from your healthy self about Mm -hmm. recovery Um, because you know, when we're, when we're around people that are commenting on food or their bodies a lot, it can be tempting to like second guess things that you learned in recovery. Mm -hmm. So going back to what, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that, you know, Mm -hmm. through for recovery, I think can just be. Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I see that where, you know, you get in that family environment that's super toxic in regards to diets and it's easy to second guess everything you've been told of like well, my dietitian told me white rice is good, but all these people are saying it's bad. So maybe that's actually true. Like it can be so overwhelming. So going back to like, okay, what do I actually know to be true? What can I hold on to? And I think that that safe person that you mentioned can be so helpful. And even, you know, cause I know for some people like they may, it might be hard for them to think of a safe person that's at that like 
family event with them or within their household. And so maybe it even looks like having someone like that you can text or that you can call if you need to like step out. I even tell my clients, I'm like, just if you need to like pretend like you have to go to the bathroom and just take, just, get like, some take fresh air. Like, <laughs> yeah. Take 10 deep like, breaths, right? Like, yes. yes. Like and, whatever you, know, you need to do. Yeah. And like, we also want to go back as therapists and even in my personal life too, to like values-based living. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if somebody doesn't have a safe person in their family, like obviously that's really hard and it's important yeah. to grieve that. But going back to our values, mm-hmm. um, as human beings can be really helpful um, yeah. and, and working, doing some of that work ahead of time with your therapist. Like, what do I value? And, mm-hmm. you know, what do I value in my recovery? And then yeah. going back to that um, in times of distress can be really helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the consistency with appointments, I think that's such a good point to bring up because that's even just in thinking about, the holidays, like, and what makes it hard for clients. I see that times where it's like, you know, sometimes clients are traveling more. It's just, it is hard to have consistency in appointments, but, and maybe some of this is even new since COVID of like a lot of things coming to zoom of like, okay, you're going home for the holidays, but we can start a session over zoom. Yes. Like that yeah. we can still meet. Yeah. Um, Cause I, yeah. yeah, I think that's huge. Totally. And, you know, I'm recovered from an eating disorder and I still go to therapy and there are some weeks I don't necessarily have like this like blaring thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is always something fruitful that comes from my own therapeutic work. And so, you know, encourage clients with that in their Mm -hmm. own recovery too. Yeah. Oh, I, gosh, I can think of that too. Like, I feel like when I was in therapy, there were so many times I'd be driving to the appointment, like, I don't even really know what I like need to talk about today. And then I get in there and I'm like, wow, I need like, like all this sessions. Yes. <laughs> like, where did all this come from? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then, funny. you know, one last thing that I'll say, so mm. boundaries, I think safe people, that's all great. And then one thing that I, I do with clients is the grief work around, mm-hmm. you know, if families, if your family of origin or maybe, you know, mm-hmm. spouse or whoever it might be, isn't willing to change or isn't willing to stop mm-hmm. comments of, around food, there's a lot of grief in that. And yeah. so I think just acknowledging that that is hard, it is sad, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe it does make you angry. And so giving yourself permission to feel all of those emotions that that might bring up if your family you know, A isn't trying to get it or B is mm. trying, just don't get it or C isn't trying yeah. at all. Um, yeah. Like whatever that might be, I think it does elicit a lot of grief. And so paying attention to mm. that, and like honoring those feelings that come up for you yeah. is really important. Mm. That's big. Like I think, and you mentioned this even at the beginning where I think the holiday season, the way it's easily talked about in the way we even see like in commercials and in movies and all of that is like, it's this super joyful and happy time. And like, sure. In a completely perfect world, that's what it would be. But for a lot of people, we know that's not the case. And I think that can be huge is like letting people, giving people permission to grieve that. And like, yeah, that, which I feel like is probably hard for them to do as well. Cause it's digging into those like, feelings that are kind of uncomfortable to sit with. Um, sure. Totally. Yeah. And we know, yeah. that, you know, 
eating disorders are emotionally avoidant disorders. So yeah. even saying that is like a challenge for the eating disorder recovery. Yes. Too, in terms of yeah. like eating that emotion and sitting with that emotion and just everything yeah. that scales. Um, yeah. So yeah, lots of, lots of hard things to unpack around the holidays for sure. Mm. And that's even where I feel like being proactive, like starting to have these conversations you know, not just like the week before Thanksgiving. Like I see it a lot in our practice, like probably October, maybe even sooner, we like start having conversations about the approaching holidays. Like, because I think it helps people go into it with a game plan. Like we've talked through, like with strategies, making space for grieving. And I think too, even those sessions, like after holidays and like, whether you're working with a dietitian and a therapist or you're not like giving yourself time after the holidays to reflect and just like see, you know, how was my experience? What went well? What didn't like, how do I need to advocate for myself next time? Like, what do I need to, what, what did I learn from this experience? Um, I think can be really big. Yeah. Yeah. And just that spirit of curiosity instead of shame. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah you're talking about, you know, just that reflection and even like creating space in our lives for that reflection, you know, between the hustle and bustle. I know that a lot of times we're just running, you know, ragged all the time and and it's important to live life that way. And so that we can Mm. have that space to reflect after the holidays. Mm. That's so good. Gosh, this has me very excited for the holidays. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> yes, I'm well, like, perfect. I, I think I told you this, this is my second podcast. So, you know, um, yeah. still a, a podcast newbie. <laughs> you know, I love it. Your friends and grace and <laughs> all of that. <laughs> I love it. This, yes, this is so great. So the way I love to end all of our conversations is asking our guests what their favorite food memory is. Um, just as a way, you know, I feel like we see it a lot with the the people we work with where a lot of the joy and fun and culture and, and all of that can get taken out of food because of the eating disorder. And so I think talking about food memories can be just a really fun conversation to have. So yeah, I would love to hear what one of your favorite food memories is. But yeah, it's so, it's so funny because immediately when you asked that, I knew what it was. Mm. So um, both of my grandmothers were great cooks and they're no longer Mm. alive. Um, But I was close with both of them. And Dylan, I think you actually knew my baby, my mom's mom. Um, Uh And she was just a darling and just an amazing cook. And so her chocolate eclair cake, oh my gosh. Yum. Oh, it's so good. And whenever I make it, you know, I I think of her and yeah, like, filled with such love and wonderful mm-hmm. memories of her. She also made homemade bread and that was like, so um, cute. she toasted yes. it, put butter on it. And oh, it was just like the best snack. Mm. Um, yes. And so, you know, it's the food, but it's also all the time and, and memories and love that she gave to me as her granddaughter. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. Made me bread and chocolate. Gosh. Eclair, the two things. That yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's, it's so fun. I feel like a lot of times when I ask this question to guests, so many people have answered like my grandma's like this recipe and this recipe. Like, I just feel like my grandma's just have the best recipe. Yeah, like, I love it. Yes. 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 Yeah. There's just something about how they make it. Cause it's, I feel like you could follow the exact recipe and like, it still tastes great, but it's just not quite the same. Yeah. As, not like, quite the same. When, yeah. 
It's like magic fairy dust they like sprinkle or something. (laughs) I know. Like, what is the secret? Gosh. Um, Well, Laura, where can people find you if they want to follow along on Instagram? Or I know with your practice, I guess it would be like people in Tennessee or recovery coaching. I guess y'all do. Yeah, yeah, I haven't mentioned that, but we do do recovery coaching. So um, my Instagram is Laura Deneen Counselor. Um, and then um, Restored Coaching Co. is our um, coaching, you know, worldwide coaching business that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a website, you know, anchoredcounselingco.com. Um, and that's really the easiest way for people to find us. Perfect. And we'll have all that linked in the show notes too, so people can click and find it. Awesome. Thank you, Dylan. Yes. Thank you. This is great. Of course. You guys take care. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition for more inspiring content on food freedom, intuitive eating, body respect, and many other things. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it to reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you always catch our latest conversations. See you next episode.